Hey, y'all been a lot of fun. Thanks for putting up with me tonight. Take care and stay safe, everybody. Well, that's the end of the story. Let's rewind and pick it up at the beginning. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here today. We're going to be talking about preparing for a live taping. And when I say taping, I know people don't use tapes. So this could be for a broadcast. And I know sometimes people now are streaming instead of broadcast. But basically what I want to talk about here is preparing a short set for a recording. Let's just say recording. And this one uh, kind of is fresh in my mind because I just recorded a set for a TV show um, the Huckabee Show on TBN, I get to warm up the audiences twice a month, but about once a year, they throw me on the show and let me do my thing, and I got a phone call about 14 days or so before the taping, and so I wanted to walk you through what I did the two weeks leading up to the recording, and you know, every time I say me in this, I want you to think about you and how you would approach this maybe similarly or differently than I do. But since this is pretty fresh in my mind, I wanted to tackle this and put this up. And so in this first part, I'll walk you through the steps that I did uh, to get ready for it and give you some ideas of what you can do. I'm sure and I hope you have different ideas as well. But if you've never recorded something like this before, um, it, maybe it's insightful, hopefully. And then in the second part, a couple of weeks from now, uh, the next episode, I'll play the actual set and break down kind of what I thought about the results from the preparation for the set. So this one is all about prepping for a live TV taping. Let's do it. So in short, about 14 days before the taping, I get a phone call and uh, they wanted me to do a set on the show. This is the third time I've done a set on the show, so they're pretty comfortable with me doing the 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 comedy, you know, I warm up the audiences twice a week and have done probably 75 to 100 episodes, if not more, of, of warming up. So that has a lot of advantages that I'm comfortable with the surroundings. I'm comfortable with the crew. I know how the cameras work. I know where the timer is. A lot of these things that are built into it. But also it comes with a few things that are a little tricky. And one is that a good chunk of the audience, the physical audience that's in front of me there, are there weekly. So they they know some of the jokes, which means I need to still surprise those people. And then probably 50% of the audience, uh, maybe 60, are people that have not been to the show before. So they're fresh, and this is all new, big experience for them. So having done the show before gave me some context of how to approach it. But I want to go backwards a little bit to how you can approach your first taping. Uh, and I'm just going to assume first. This could be the 10th one for you, and maybe there's an idea you can pick up in here. But let's just say you're working your way up towards getting a, a somebody else to come out and tape the show instead of dragging the video cameras in there. And I know I've been on that side of things a million times too. So how does it work? Let's say first you get the call. You got to find out uh, obviously where you're performing at, your availability. Let's say all that's the green light. The The first step really is to find out who is the audience, who is this show airing to, and are you a good fit? You might get offered things that are uh, 
very alluring. Like, oh, then, man, this would be cool. And then when you boil it down, you're not really a good fit. Let's assume that you are and you know the audience that's not only going to be physically in front of you, but where it's going to be broadcast to. On TV, that's probably a little bit easier than streaming, although maybe it's the same. I'm not sure. There's always uh, different ways you can dial in the specifics and statistics of the metrics of who your audience is. But of the material that you have, what is the best material that you can perform for this audience. That's something to keep in the back of your head, and we'll get to more on the material thing here in a second. Second thing you want to do, too, is find out uh, what language is acceptable. Uh, there's a wide range of acceptable language on from cable to streaming to YouTube to you name it. Uh, it's wide open. So find out what your limitations are as far as uh, how blue you can get or what the uh, expectations are as far as how clean you can get. And boy, we could spend 20 weeks on uh, what clean is and what clean isn't. But we're not going to get into that big discussion today. But find out what they're expecting you to do as far as content-wise so that you don't have to you know, show up and change everything because you assumed it to be whatever you wanted to do. So that's the thing. Audience number one, language, content uh, number two, and then, of course, the length of your set. There's no reason to prepare for much more or much less than what they tell you. But if you don't know... And they don't tell you, uh, you know, they'll tell you. And a good thing to do, obviously, is if it's something that's already been produced, let's, let's say dry bar, for example, um, you know from watching those sets basically how long it is. So when you prepare for it, you want to prepare accordingly, but also double check on, on my dry bar. So, you know, when I got there, basically, if they said, uh, no, it's about half as long as what we have been doing. So there's always uh, room for them to change things on you. But up front, you want to find out the audience, the language, the length, time and date, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then it, I, I like to shift it back to you for a second. So these are the expectations of the network or what have you. But what are you expecting out of this set? And, you know, looking back, I think I've probably done seven to ten sets like this where it's either TV or a streaming network where, you know, it's a big production. And I've had different goals for each of those things. Obviously, I want to satisfy the requirements that the studio puts in place up front you might hear some hail hitting my window here we've got storms coming here in nashville sorry about that if you do if if you don't then uh, i'm just <laughs> i'm a little w bit worried that my power might go out but we'll, we'll plow through here um but what is your purpose for this set my, my first set i really wanted it to be squeaky clean family friendly so i could use it on my demo tapes for anything as i was trying to get work not only in clubs but also in corporate and churches i wanted to make sure the material was just upbeat fun non-controversial not challenging in in the ways of you know being overly ego-driven material but just connecting a thousand percent with the audience that i wanted to perform in front of so i could put this out and uh, promote it as much as possible and then those roads will lead back to my website and hopefully to bookings so that might be something that you're looking at. Your, your initial one, what's the best snapshot of you? And you put that out. Um, this more recent one that I did this week, I really, you know, I've done a bunch of my tried and true material over the years on these things, and I don't want to double up material. I always want to put something new on the video. So not my focus on this particular one was very current and I didn't mind if this set became dated in a couple of months, couple of years. I wanted to be as current as the newspaper was that morning when I picked it up. And that, that for me, was the main purpose. And also, 
um, knowing that this is going to be recorded in a studio that is reduced by capacity by like 80 to 95 percent. I mean, they have 50 people here where they can seat 300. So that's a sixth. So you do the math on that 17 percent or I don't even know what it is. But it's going to be a small audience because of COVID. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to let it rip, do all the best of my COVID jokes and write some new COVID jokes and just focus for four and a half minutes on addressing what's happening in our country and our world right now. So that was my purpose, something that was super topical and current that doesn't have to be yours for sure. You know, you might want something that's very evergreen, something that's going to be not time dated and just very general. That's totally great for your first set. I think, too. So whatever you want to do, but make sure you have a clear purpose so you just don't go in there and you're picking jokes at random because they add up to four and a half minutes. You know, I like to have a little theme when I go into these recordings. Uh, My last time I did uh, this particular show, it was mostly about health and food, and the previous time was all about my family. So having one general theme allows you to kind of dial in a bunch of different jokes that all fall underneath that category, and you're not spending a lot of time setting things up. I like to set up one topic, and this basically was, you know, we're in COVID, and just go drill into it for four and a half minutes. So uh, that's that's the purpose part of it. And then, you know, what are you going to use these clips for afterwards? And for me, it will be to show that I have current material and that I can uh, perform live during COVID and also do stuff virtually. I'm going to kind of roll these clips into my virtual slash 2021 performance kind of uh promo clip that I've got out there. So anyway, what are you going to use the clips for? Think about that before you go up, because that will help you dial in your material. Your first recording, you know, you might have 30, 40, 50, maybe an hour's worth of material that you're going to be pulling from, but having one core theme for me um, is a way to dial it all in, maybe for you as well. All right. So, you know, once you've got all that established, uh, who your audience is and what you want to do with this material, think about the jokes and think about quick hitting opening jokes that can establish your point of view very early in the set because not only you're setting up the theme of what the content is when you're doing one of these tapings you're also trying to establish who you are so the audience can you know come alongside you as quickly as possible you're not trying to gather the entire audience the entire show and you know at the end of four and a half minutes they go oh that's who he is you want to really come out with a joke um, that establishes that you're funny, yes, but also what your point of view is. Are you irritable? Are you cranky? Are you overly focused? Are you neurotic? Whatever it is that, that they should expect from you as the set unfolds. So establishing your point of view early is the first thing. And another way of saying that is saying who you are without saying who you are. So when somebody, you know, this is a good thing to do. Ask some of your friends that see you do comedy, you know, which one of my jokes do you think is, oh, that's 100% me. You know, that's 100% Mickey Bell. That's 100% John Campbell. Or this is 100% Sean Hughes. What is the joke that when you tell it, people are like, ah, only that dude can tell that joke. That's probably a joke that's very closely associated with your point of view. So if you don't know what it is by now, that might be a good way to find out. Ask some of your buddies, you know, what do you think defines my personality on stage? And hopefully you know that, but it can take a while. You might get opportunities to get recordings before you have your point of view established. I I know I did. And uh, point of view is a moving target anyway. So um, and the other thing, too, is it's not only what joke would you open up with, but what couple of short jokes would you open up with? Even in a set that's four and a half minutes long, which I almost want to say four and a half minutes short, 
you're going to have an opportunity to explore a few different things within there, a few different sub um, subtopics, I guess I would say, or different angles. But you don't want to jump into something that's too long, too quick. And for me, I always like to do a quick 10 or 15 second joke and then maybe a 20 second, 25 second joke. And then if I've got them roll into what I'm trying to get into. And because it's a, a TV taping, I move up my longer bit a little bit more than I normally would because I don't want to get you know, delayed into that bit and then have to cut it short at the end. I want to make sure the, the, the bit that I'm really trying to get out there and there's one bit in particular in this set that I wanted to share, you know, I'm going to share it all across everything for as long as I can. I wanted to make sure it was set up just right and then I had time to explore it without having to rush the end. So that's another way of maybe thinking about what order you put things in. But between the jokes, what are the tags or segues that can get you from one to the other quickest? And if they're all in one topic, it's just, you know, in this particular set, it was basically everybody's doing what they can. And then I just switched to a different group that's doing something that they can. And that's that's all I really needed to get from one topic to another. Probably didn't even need that, to be honest. I could probably just take in a breath and moved on. But uh, with an audience that, again, is 50 people out of 300, there's a little more uh, space. I think you'll even hear it on the recording at the end. There's a little more space in the room than normal. So I didn't feel like pausing would be the right thing in this situation because it would just bring more attention to the space in the room uh, and the audio space as well than necessary. So how are you going to move things along and what what joke are you going to end with? And ideally, what tagline on that joke are you going to end with? This particular set, again, I had four and a half to five minutes. I had practiced four and a half uh, for a week, 10 days at least uh, leading up to it. And that's what I wanted to kind of stick to. And you make up the rest of it doing panel. You know, it's a, the whole segment might be eight minutes. So I do four and a half on the stage, walk over. Then you have, you know, three minutes left by the time you walk over there, plus your intro to, to do panel. And we will talk about panel on a different show. So, uh, Josh, if you don't mind, Josh Liston, I know you keep track of what I say. Well, on a different show, we'll do that. That's something we'll talk about down the road. So if we don't get to it in the next, uh, before the end of the year, Josh, make sure you give me a holler and I'll lock that down. So then, yeah, you got your, your jokes. And then, man, it's about practicing. It's about practicing it until you don't mind. Uh, what's the best way to say this? You want to know it so good that you can forget it and that you don't have to memorize it because you've got it so second nature. You don't want to show up the day of the show staring at your notes. And I see this all the time. And, you know, I'll glance at it, sure, when I've got nothing else to do and I've already um, done everything I'm supposed to do while I got on site. I'll, I'll look at it a few times, but I don't need to be memorizing it that day or even the night before. I like to have it down two to three days before the actual taping um, because here's what happens if you don't. If you think, oh, I'll just do it the night before. Well, the night before, you're probably going to get distracted by something else. Or you might be traveling to the gig the day of. There might be demands on your schedule uh, once you get to the venue that you didn't think about or didn't plan about. You might have had a rough night's sleep a couple of nights in a row. You want to have this down while you're comfortable so that when you get to the performance date, it's second nature. You're, you're not worried about that at all. You want to be able to actually perform the jokes that you've written out. So you got to get it down. So, but how do you practice it? You know, for me, it's about writing things out initially. I'll write it out to see what four and a half minutes looks like. And on a different podcast, many, many ago, you can search it in the search bar on School of Last. But I talk about how you can count how many words per minute you speak and then set your Word document on your computer to give that much space to a full page of written text. 
Now, another way of saying that is if you speak 150 words a minute, then you set up your document where 150 average size words will fill up a page. So that might be making the page double space. It might be making the font 14 point or 16 point or whatever it might be. But as I type my jokes in, I can easily see that each page equals a minute. And what else can you do with that? Well, you can go into the highlighter and highlight your punchlines and make sure that you're hitting your punchlines per minute that you're shooting for and uh, nail that down. So and in, in a set like this, I'm trying to get, you know, six to eight last per minute, something like that. And uh, I haven't actually counted up the results, but that's, you know, I was, I was shooting four and four and a half minutes to give them 40 punchlines. And, you know, if they laugh at 35 of them, I'm golden. If they laugh at 30, I'm golden. Uh, but I'm shooting for that 40 punchlines in my set. So anyway, if you have your set as a minute per page, it's very easy to to look at four and a half pages and see what you got. And then I start looking at editing. I start looking at, man, I know I've said this joke this way a hundred times and it works this way, but I've got a week or so. Can I take out four words? Can I can I not repeat the setup twice and just by saying things differently? What's the easiest way I can get to this? And to give you a quick example, um, I have a joke where I talk about my daughter, and this is in the set you'll hear, but I'll tell you the original version that's that's worked for, I don't know, since March, April, whenever this whole thing started. And it was, uh, I've been home a lot this year, and listen to how much extra words are in here. But this is just me on stage just talking to the audience. I've been home a lot this year. It's obvious that my whole family, even my third grader, has looked up to me a couple times and said, hey, Papa, why are you here all the time now? And I said, oh, honey, you know, well, things are tough right now. And listen, isn't this a long setup? Yeah, it sure is. And things are tough right now, and my job's considered non-essential. Do you know what non-essential means? And she goes, no. I said, well, non-essential means something that's nice to have, but you don't have to have it. Do you understand? She goes, um, yeah, kind of like your hair. And I'm like, yeah, or your college fund. So that was a very rambling way. And I know in a four and a half minute set, I'm not, I'm not going to do the joke that way. And then I realized I should never do the joke that way. What's funny is that my hair is non-essential. So you'll hear the version of that joke on this recording at the end. And it's much more abbreviated, straight to the point, which gives me more times to get more punchlines in the show. So we do tend to get wordy on stage once we know. And when I say we, I say me. It could be you as well, but... I noticed this from a lot of comics. Once we know we've got a strong punchline, we kind of dilly-dally around in front of it sometimes because we're comfortable with that space because the last are going to come. But in a TV set, you really want to get to it as quickly as possible while you're still you know, delivering the context of why it's funny, but not going overboard and setting it up like I did telling you that joke right now. So anyway, uh, I type it in, and then I, I look at little ways I can change it before I start memorizing it. And that's the main point here is as I'm editing through this, I'm taking things out, which makes memorizing easier, even though it's a slightly different version of the joke that I've been telling. Um, it allows me to to really focus on what I need to do for this set. So I'm not going to memorize a bunch of stuff and then chop a bunch of stuff out and then re-memorize. That's just double the work. So get it as edited down as you can. We can always add stuff later. That's the key. You know, you still have time if you've got it memorized to add a few things. And in this set, I added a, the whole main chunk in this set. I had never said on stage <laughs> before I went to the TV recording, which I don't recommend, um, especially if you're on the newer side of things. But again, I kind of know this audience. They know me. A good majority of the audience knows me. They kind of know my point of view a little bit already, the main chunk. 
but I also needed to surprise them. So I couldn't pop in there and do a, a full set. I could have, uh, but I didn't want to do a full set of everything they've heard since this pandemic started. So my original stuff I writ- wrote down was four and a half minutes. And then I took out two minutes of that so that I can inject about what turned out, to, I think, to be about 90 seconds of this new bit that I wrote that I wanted to get into this recording. So I, I had time because I started before the day before <laughs> of organizing this material so I could put in what I thought would work. And, you know, the thing that's also tricky is you, you're going to start thinking of things because you have space and because it's more defined, new taglines to add in there. I did for sure. Um, and I kept some of them. And when I got to the show, I, I thought, you know, if if the crowd's tight or if the, the show's rolling a certain way, I don't necessarily have to do all the taglines that I wrote, especially brand new ones. And I don't know if they're going to work or not. But in this set, there were some things that I thought of in the drive over that I threw in. And uh, that was just a risk I was willing to take. It's comedy. It's not a huge risk. I'm not out there fighting COVID in the hospitals. I'm not out there fighting wars or walking the beat as a cop. It's a comedic risk, but I was willing to take it and it paid off. But I was thinking of things over. And certainly when I get home that night, I thought of three great taglines. I say great, but I haven't tried them out yet. But three taglines that would have been perfect for the set that I'll do uh, on my next show here on Thursday. So a live show Thursday. So I'll try them then. So it's a snapshot of a moment in time is another thing I'm trying to say here is, is be happy with the set, but know that as soon as it's done, you're going to think of ways you could have made it better. And that's just part of it. Don't beat yourself up. It's just part of it. So let's say we, you've got your material, you've got it down, you got it edited, you got it to where you can memorize it. Practicing it is different than memorizing it. So memorizing is getting all the words in the right places and knowing your transitions, but practicing it is how are you going to say it? Now, in normal times, when it's not COVID, I would hit the stage as much as I could to run through this set in front of live audiences. This set, I did not have that option uh, because it was a short amount of time. The days that I could have got out to hit the clubs here in Nashville, I was booked doing virtual events. So I pretty much uh, did this on my own. That's why I was doing you know, running it in the car and running it uh, different places like that instead of in front of audiences, obviously. You'd want to get on stage and get in front of audiences to try this out. And a couple of tips for that, if you have that availability and option to do, which I hope you do, and I hope we're past this stupid pandemic soon, move the material that you want to do for your taping into the very beginning of your set. So you're used to doing this material in front of a cold audience after an introduction. So you get right into it, you get out of it, and then for the rest of the 30 minutes, you just do what you normally would do, and uh, and you get a better result of what the material sounds like intact. You're not spreading it out through 30 minutes. You're doing the set as a set. So that's what I would do normally. But again, this particular situation, I didn't have the option for that. So I ran it as much as I could. I love to do it when I'm driving. I've got my my office away from my home is eight minutes away, which gives me basically two two times through my set at four and a half minutes to, to roll through it. And why would you do it when you're driving? Isn't that distracted driving? Well, Here's what I've kind of realized. You've got quiet. You're in your car. That's good. You are moving and you do have to focus on the road and the cars and things like that. Stop lights, stop signs. But that's also like being on stage. On stage, you've got the mic. No one else is speaking. But you're also looking at the audience. You're looking at the host of the show. Maybe you're looking at the floor manager, the producer, 
the cameraman, you're looking at your time on the camera, you're looking at all these things. The band, you know, for me though, there's a band on the side. And so driving to me is kind of the same as being on stage. I'm focused. I can deliver my lines, but I do have to look around a little bit. I do have, there is distraction built in even to a TV set. And so driving for me is a perfect way to kind of simulate that uh, without uh, going crazy. You know, I can't just walk into a grocery store and just stare at people and do my set. That would be, that might be a whole new TV series, actually. Just a comedy guy, a comedian doing his set aisle by aisle. But you know what I'm saying? I've got a built-in distraction while I'm working on performing something. Now, this isn't why I'm trying to memorize it. It's why I'm trying to perform it and practice it in the car. There's a difference. I don't want to try to memorize it while I'm driving. That would be, I think, too much for me and my little brain. But to work on it, and I can be as loud as I want. I do exercises sometimes where I'll go through my set as fast as I can, and that'll force some mistakes and, and force recovery of mistakes. I'll go through it slower than normal. That'll give me time to think of some things in between and actually hear how I'm saying it. And I'll do it in different voices sometimes just to kind of switch it up after I've done it 10, 15 times. It gets a little repetitive and redundant. So I'll do, you know, I might do my whole set as a, as Barney Fife. I might do my whole set in the car as uh, Bill Clinton or one of the three other presidents I can impersonate barely. But it gives me a chance just to hear it in different ways and say it in different ways and just get used to the timing of it. And when I do that, I do hit my little eye watch and uh, hit the timer on that. And I look down and, and over the course of a day or two, I start to realize yeah, it's about four and a half minutes. It's pretty much where, where I want it. I might say it a little bit differently. I might forget a couple of taglines, but every time I've done it, it's equal now pretty close to four and a half. So I feel pretty comfortable about that. I leave in a little bit of room where I think the audience is going to laugh, uh, but I don't leave in like they're going to give me a standing ovation kind of laugh. I, I leave in like a well-deserved laugh, I guess is the best way to put it. A couple seconds, two or three, and then move on to the next thing. So then I find that I start saying things a little bit different again, and I go back to the written document and rewrite it the way I'm saying it now, with the words I'm saying now, and with the new taglines that you come up with when you're doing it this way, because you will. And you, just, you might even put some things in some different order. As you hear yourself saying it, you're like, oh man, it'd be better if I put that back here and move that up front. And that was the case for me on this particular set and has been on every set that I've done. But I always try to find uh, that balance of memorization, practice, and then rewrite. And I'm still not a thousand percent committed to the rewrite. Like I said, on the drive over there, I thought of a couple of taglines and, and some different ways to say some things. So I made those adjustments still, but I was I was prepared. If I hadn't thought of anything new on the way over, I was still good to go. That's basically the best way to look at it. And then I always like to have an extra couple of short jokes in case I blank on stage. Maybe I... I leave out a whole chunk of stuff because it's newer or I get nervous. I still get nervous once in a while. So I still think of a couple of short jokes I can use if I freeze up or if I need to transition or if I need to get, you know, to wrap up the set. Maybe the punchline that I thought was going to be funny to wrap it up isn't strong enough. Do I have another quick closer kind of one, two punch kind of joke that I can use and make sure I have those ready to go as well. So I got all those things. And then I'm also fully aware that I may abandon some of these tags and some of these jokes when I get on stage if the audience just isn't going with me. And uh, even though I've memorized it, I've performed it, I've rewritten it, I do know it's it's a moving target. Stand up more than anything lends itself to a lot of variation and a lot of, uh, gosh, I guess variation is the best word. A lot of, yeah, I was going to say variety. That's just, a, <laughs> variety is a different way of saying variation, which gives it variety. So there you go. 
All right. Hope you hope you're still with me. I'm just uh, I'm still looking at the storm out the window just a little bit. So let's get to the day of the show. Um, let's go to the night before. Actually, the night before the show. Let's even back it up to the day before the show. So this taping was on Thursday. Wednesday, I made sure I get in a lot of good exercise, uh, get my brain healthy. I like to uh, maybe take a eh, go to bed maybe 45 minutes an hour earlier than normal, even though the taping's later in the day. You know, this taping was at 730 uh, the next day on Thursday. Um, but I still want to go to bed a little bit early the night before because I know my mind's going to be thinking about it. It's not a huge, this isn't the David Letterman show, you know, this isn't a Comedy Central special, but you still want it to go well, so your mind is still thinking of things and digesting the material. So I give myself a little bit more time, and inadvertently I still fall asleep later than usual, but I'm not in a panic because it's, you know, much later. I've, I've rested a little bit, I'm, I'm going to ease in there. And then the next day, the day of the taping, I, I do like to exercise a little bit in the morning. For me, that's a quick bike ride or walk around the neighborhood or a mountain bike ride. And then I come back, take another nap. Uh, don't always fall asleep, but I do like to kind of clear the brain out and then do something totally relaxing in the afternoon. Uh, doesn't have to be comedy focused at all. In fact, this time I went to the Frisch Museum here in Nashville where they've got a Pablo Picasso showing. Uh, the only city in the entire United States. Way to go, Nashville, to show this uh, Picasso series. And so I went and did that for 90 minutes in the afternoon. So it just took my mind totally out of comedy, but still put me in a creative appreciative state then uh, drove back home on the drive back ran the set three or four times in the car uh, got rested up and headed over to the to the actual show so always give yourself extra time to get there on a taping any kind of show but on a taping i give myself extra time and if i get there early i might just sit in the parking lot and go through it one more time before i head in Um, but there could be traffic goodness knows in nashville there could be traffic hitting you in a weird spot and uh you know it's a 45 minute drive for me so I wanted to make sure I gave myself, I think I gave myself 90, doubled it up, took my time, grabbed a little Panda Express on the way over, saved the fortune for after, uh, but had the Dr. Pepper right then. So when you get to the venue, oh yeah, before you leave too, make sure you pack an extra set of clothes. Uh, reason being, I like to have some variety, some options when I get to the set. And you know, this I went with black jeans and a nice crisp Western shirt buttoned down. Uh, button down I like to do on tapings because they got to run that microphone up and it gives them easy access uh, and sweaters are not funny. So that's just my particular take on things. But I, I have two sets of clothes because maybe you get there and you notice the other guest is wearing black jeans and a blue denim shirt and you want to switch it up. You don't want to come out and look like you came together in the same car and shopped at the same gap, you know. So I do like to bring a couple of different things over there. That's something you might want to ask, too, when you get invited to do the taping originally is what are we supposed to wear and then bring two sets, a lighter and darker, switch it up a little bit. You might bring more if you're driving, but for me, too, is plenty. And then so when we get there, when you arrive for a taping, I've arrived, you know, had to arrive as early as 10 in the morning for something that was shooting 830 at night. Uh, that was the Pure Flix Comedy All-Stars. And so that was a full day. So you had to leave the hotel with everything that you needed for the entire day. And that was a little long. You know, we got it, everything done. Everything came out just fine. But uh, when, you, when you're heading to the venue, there's going to be different demands on your time. So just be prepared to be flexible. Uh, I like to bring a pillow, bring a little pillow in case you get, hey, you got two hours to chill out, but you can't go back to the hotel. All right, I'm just going to kind of cool off in the corner a little bit. 
Uh, but you're going to have a few things you got to do. You have to sign a release. This material is still yours, but this version, this um, recording of the material kind of belongs to whoever recorded it. That's basically the trade-off. Unless you're a big name, uh, that's just going to be the way it is. Good groups will give you access to the to the clips, so you can do whatever you want with them. But uh, the material is yours. The recording of that material is theirs. There may be some fine print. Hopefully you're hip to all that way before you get there. But there may be some fine print as to what they're going to use that material for and what they can do with it. Um, so make sure you read through that. Uh, be prepared to walk if it's not up your alley. But uh, hopefully everything's legit. And most times they are. Uh, but you just want to know what you're up, up against. So read through that. You're going to have to uh, get some makeup at some point. So uh, make friends with the makeup person, because if you make them mad, they can put some uh, weird stuff on your face and you probably wouldn't even know it. Double check with the producer, your set length. Uh, I always like to walk out on the stage, see if I can run the mic, you know, just hold the mic, see what it's going to sound like in the room, even if it's empty, that kind of thing. And usually they'll do that for you anyway. But if, if you don't see them asking you to do that, you can ask them. And they're, they want the show to go good. So they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you told us we got 15 minutes. Let's go do it really quick right now. You know? And oh, yeah, a couple of little things I want to say about <laughs> performing. I knew I was going to think of a couple of things. I always can, I always forget that once I've been mic'd up, that anything I say can be heard by the guys in the sound booth and possibly the producer if they've got the channel flipped on too. So, so you don't have to learn this the hard way. The first time I learned this, I was doing a West Virginia lottery commercial back in the mid nineties. And I'm, I'm mic'd up, you know, it's, it's five or six of us on this commercial shoot and we're all mic'd up for the entire day. And at one point I'm just trying to crack up the other people that I'm doing the shoot with. Uh, I'm just making fun of the Powerball. Well, that's, you know, I probably had gone on for 15 minutes, you know, it's like, what kind of idiot plays a Powerball? Just all this kind of stuff. And, one of the camera guys comes over and taps me on the shoulder. He's like, the Powerball people can hear every word you're saying. <laughs> and, and I was surprised I was still on the set the rest of the day. Um, so once you've been mic'd up, okay, anything you can say, if you're, uh, if you're not happy about doing the set or not happy about the show or you're not confident in your set or you're making comments about the other performers or the host, anybody in the sound booth can hear that. And you do not want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy I was talking about the Powerball and dragging them down as they're paying you to promote the Powerball. <laughs> don't do it. And in the same sense, uh, if you get wired up right before your set, you know, go hit hit the restroom before you get wired up. They don't need to hear that going on. And then the last thing I'll say is about two minutes, three minutes before I go out on stage, I'll drink a half a bottle of water just slowly. I don't want to choke or get the hiccups or burps or nothing like that, but I make sure I'm totally hydrated because every taping I've ever done, when I haven't done that, I've gotten dry mouth like in the first 15, 20 seconds. And then all I can think of is, does the audience see my mouth turning white and dry and chapped right now? Like it's so distracting. But I've learned that if I drink a half a bottle or so right before I go out, don't even think about it. Got plenty of hydration and uh, things go real smooth. Depending on the show, if it's a comedy set, you know, you're up with three other comics and you're just doing kind of a rotation. Uh, you just want to know when I leave, do I shake hands? When I come on stage, do I shake hands with the host? Do I leave from the other side? There's every possible combination out there. So you want to make sure you ask that question and know the answer so you don't get down with your set and not sure if you should take a bow or just wait for the curtains to close or <laughs> what's going to happen. If there's a host and it's a TV taping, you want to just find out what is the panel situation. 
you know, and it could be that if time allows, he'll, the host, him and her will have you come over to the desk and sit in the couch or the chair and chit chat for a little bit, or there's never panel or there's always, you know, it could, it could be whatever. So find out what the panel thing is. And then if there is panel, uh, what are we going to talk about? And ideally you'll find this out early. I mean, I, I would ask up front if you know, it's a uh, TV show and there's a possibility of panel, you know, how long will panel be? And can I give you some questions to lead me into some funny stuff? Because if you don't, they're just going to ask you, hey, when did you start comedy? They're going to they're ask you those same five questions. Did you always know you were funny? Have you always been clean? You know, and unless you've got a funny answer prepared for that, which you should, uh, it can be a humdrum interview. So you don't want to be less funny sitting down. You want to be just as funny. And then I like to promote something. So every time I've done the, uh, the Huckabee show, this the third I said, um, I've had something specific that I wanted to promote, so I made sure they had those details ahead of time, the dot-coms, the, you know, the specifics, so they could read it, put it on the screen, and the audience at home, as, as much as the audience there in front of me, gets the information that I want them to have. How to book me, what kind of shows I've got, uh, this particular show I did, uh, this taping, I wanted to promote my American Idol virtual talent show that I do for companies, and uh, that's what we did. And he did a good job of promoting that. But I also wanted to lead into a few jokes and then segue into what I was what I was pushing there. But here's the thing. You don't have to wait for somebody to call you to have a set ready or at least a set outline ready. I would if you're listening to this and you don't have a taping coming up, what if somebody called you tomorrow and said, Hey, next Friday we want you to do four and a half minutes? Are are you ready? Are you close to being ready? Have you even thought about that before? I would challenge you, this would be my challenge to you, is to go ahead and prepare a four and a half minute set for a TV clean, network TV clean performance. And if it gets a little looser and it's on cable or streaming, then you can add to it. But have something ready to go so if you get the opportunity that you can go up there and you nail it. All right, so I'll see you at the next episode and we'll dig into that set and get to the uh, results. What could have been better? What could have been different? What was different? And what surprised me? All right, take care, stay safe, and thanks to John Peters, our Patreon sponsor for this episode. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money. Stay money.